picking up our series today on people leasing for a Amen. And so far in this series, I believe that we firmly establish the effect that your thought life has on your attitude and on your action in victory or your destiny. The thoughts that affect your life, the quality of life, and in some cases, listen, your length of life. Did you know that there are over 900,000 people in Mexico? Thank you. 
things that way. It builds a trust. And you don't have to convince people of anything. Virtue is not what only speaks to a moment and confidence in your life as you heard in this story. But virtue speaks to your very character. Watch your character. It becomes your destiny. Think on this could be any virtue. Think on these things. Come on, here's a couple things about virtue. Paul in 2 Peter, I told you to sit there, 2 Peter chapter 1, beginning in verse 1, the Bible says this, Simon Peter, a bondservant and a preacher of Jesus Christ, to those who have obtained life perfect faith, who have provided the righteousness that I have in Savior, Jesus Christ, grace and peace be multiplied to you through the knowledge of God and of and His divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Through the knowledge of Him who called us by glory and virtue, and which has been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises, that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature. Having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust, but also for this righteous life, very reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith what? Come on, somebody, add to your faith. Add to your faith. Add to your faith. You want to know something I, I gleaned from reading this piece of scripture? It's that God does not add virtue to your faith. We have the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ. But God doesn't hate the virtue. We do. He is commanded, add to your faith virtue. In other words, it's a command. Come on. It's a command. God first laid out several reasons for it. He told us, listen, quite frankly, to add virtue. Why? Because God is our mission. He's loving, all-knowing, all-wise, all-seeing, so on. He, he doesn't have to get your feedback when giving instruction for your life. He already knows what you need to add. And because God is in eternity, He's already been there. He's already seen the result of adding virtue to your life. That's why He can confidently give you feedback and say, listen, add virtue to your life. He already knows. He's seen the result. He can confidently tell you what you need to do to get the best outcome and to be the best you. Doctor Sue said there's nobody newer than you. Come on. And God wants you to be the best you. He already knows how you can become the best you. And guess what? He commanded us to be the new to do it because it's still a choice. It's still our choice whether we add virtue to our life. You can have faith. You can believe in the Lord. You can, you can, you can say, Lord, come into my life. I want to be saved. I don't want to go to heaven, and I want to uh, be in heaven with you. And faith, you can do that. Paul told the Romans, and he told us, listen, the wages of sin is what? Nothing. In other words, what do I get to sin? Your wages, that's what you get to sin. And he said, listen, all the sins have come short of the glory of God. So you're not left out of it. So what wages are coming to you? 
again, you know, I noticed something over in Corinthians. He said that if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. In other words, if you just confess with your mouth, you have to say the Lord Jesus, and believe in your heart, the Lord Jesus, then you shall be saved. But I was just reading that for the Romans, the wages of sin is death. How can I not get the wages of sin that's death simply by confessing with my mouth? Because uh, is it something you're supposed to die? Well, then we have a, an atonement. Come on. We have a substitutionary sacrifice that came in there for us. Come on. We have a substitutionary sacrifice who died for us. Who died to Father and has turned his back on and all sin, past, present, and future went on him. Come on. And he died for us. Therefore, we cannot die for our sin. This is why we can have faith and say, Yes, Lord, I'm going to believe in you. Because the price is already Jesus paid it all. Come on, somebody. He paid it all. I can have faith. But guess what? You don't die and go to heaven right here. I hope so anyway. Maybe so do. I don't know. But you don't want to live. So now what? Well, Lord, I understand the atonement. I understand the substitutionary sacrifice. I confess with my mouth. Now what? He's saying you got to live. I created you for a purpose. And that purpose includes so much more than getting into heaven. There's a purpose that I created you for. Come on. So now you need to make it clear. Am I going to add to my faith? Or am I going to stay where I am? We serve a God who is able to do exceeding abundantly above all we ask and think. Come on. He doesn't want us to stay ordinary. He doesn't want us to stay mundane. Come on. He doesn't want us just to trip through life. He wants us to make a choice. And so even though God already knows, He still gives us a choice to just come home. John 7, 17, if, he, if anyone wills to do His will, come on, you get that? If anyone wills to do His will, He shall know concerning the doctrine, whether it is from God or whether I speak of my own authority. Do you will to do His will? He said in Joshua 24, 15, if you think it's wrong to serve the Lord, listen, choose you today whom He will serve. For me and my life. For me and my life. You know where we're going. We're making a choice today. Because I'm living a brilliant life, the life that God has for me. And it's not just because of what He's going to give me, but it's because of who He is. Come on. Mark 8 34, He didn't call the people to Himself, talking about Jesus. Disciples also listen to what he told them. He said, Who ever desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross. This is a choice that you have to come after me. Why? Because life has been so much better than what you could ever get on your own. You know the, the almost prophetic scripture in Revelation 3 Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice, I will come in and dine with him, and he with me. See, there's choices that we have to make. Will you add to your faith virtue, or will you live like the world? And you may still get into heaven. Come on. But will you live out the rest of your days like the world? Like fear, fear, dishonor, everything that's the opposite of virtue. And I believe that virtue not only means that. Excellence as it relates to our character, but virtue means excellent people. 
and we ought to do everything in openness. Come on. Why should we look to the world and look at how they do things in history? And we not do it that way in the church. We have so many people who are part of the church. Well, you know, it's just, uh, you know, as long as you make a joyful noise. Well, guess what? Sometimes that noise is not joyful. Come on. What you think is a joyful noise and what God thinks is a joyful noise sometimes can be two different things. God is often noticing that, but it's about the heart. It's about are you doing it in answer? That's what's joyful to the Lord. You're acting in the different appearances. So why do you need to choose this? Well, let me give you five benefits to virtue. Five benefits to virtue that we just got here from Second Peter, chapter one, verses one through five. Peter laid it out. Because look at the end of the scripture here. The end of what we just put there, but also for this very reason, for this reason, I just you, giving all diligence, this reason has to your faith virtue. I'm not just throwing something out there. I'm telling you for this reason, this is why you need to add to your faith virtue. Number one, He's giving us, He's giving us everything we need to live a successful, thriving life. You want to live a successful, abundant, thriving life. God's already laid out for us. He told you how to do it. We look so many ways to try to figure out how we can live a better life, and God's already given it to us. He's given us all things that pertain to life and to godliness. He's given it to us. He hasn't put it out there and said, go get it. If you're in Christ, He's already, if His Word abides in you, He's already given it to you. You have no excuse for it. And I'm talking to myself. You have no excuse for living a world that's frustrated, compromising, loving life. God has given us what we need to thrive. He said, just believe. Jesus said, only believe. Speak the word at all times. Let this word be in your mouth that I have learned to do. All that is written therein. Guess what? By doing that, you're making a choice to have your own success, to make your way successful, and to make your way prosperous. You're making a choice when you do what He told you to do back there. When you have my word in you, you will, I guarantee you, have a successful, abundant, prosperous, flourishing life. Come on. It will happen. What do you mean? Problems won't come. But just like, listen, Peter was on the boat. I'm going to say the wind and the sea came. But guess what? I can step off the boat and walk right on that surface. Right through the wind. Let the problems come. It doesn't matter. It's about that thing. Put a God in me. He's giving me all things that pertain to life and godliness. No matter what comes, hurricanes, tornadoes, floods, people talking about me, offense, uh, economy, gas prices. Sickness, disease, can God will take over. But listen, by this Christ, we are here. We are overcomers. We are above and never again beneath. Come on. You are victorious. He has called you king and priest. We need to start living like this, man. Come on. The devil has not defeated us. He has already defeated. On his way out, he's just going to take a few with him. Come on. Don't be one of those few. Don't go. Number two, he called us to him by glory and virtue. Listen, he called us to him by his glory and his virtue. Through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and by virtue, God gave us an identity that is unmatched. 
If he has virtue, we ought to want virtue. We ought to want to all cooperate virtue because we want to be like him. Number three, he gives us an incontrovertible, listen, incontestable, unquestionable, and unchangeable promise. In fact, all of you can't come against the promises of God gives They're irrefutable. They are solid as a rock. By which we have been given, and has been given us exceedingly great and precious promises. No one can deny them. They are great promises. Not promises to each other can sometimes be broken. They only mean as much as we can offer either. I can only promise you what I can offer. But listen, we are limited. God is unlimited, and therefore, these promises are sure of faith. Not only are they sure, they are exceedingly great and precious. This promise is really something. Come on. For he made us partakers of his divine nature. That through these we may be partakers of the divine nature. When God calls us and we become a part of his family, we actually partake in his divine nature. It's incomprehensible to me that when God has called me, Lord on me, when I look in the mirror, I see so many flaws, but now He has given me the very nature of Himself. Come on. That means that you and I are eternal beings from the moment we accept the Lord in our life. We are not just eternal beings, but we are eternal beings with His nature. Come on. We are just like God in Right now, we're wrapped in this present. Come on, somebody. Oh, we will change and we'll be like him in the twinkling of an eye. But guess what? Even right now, you can walk in the kingdom of God. Kingdom of God is not something to be attained later. Kingdom of God is here. God said it. Come on. The kingdom of God is here. Right now. And you can live and walk in the kingdom of God and His kingdom reigns right now. Why? Because we have His nature. Now, here's the devil's trick to you. The devil's trying to trick you to make you think you don't have his nature because you fall short sometimes, because you offend people sometimes, because you get offended sometimes, because sometimes you don't do what you're supposed to do. You really don't have the nature of God. I mean, did God really say, come on, the enemy's going to lie to you. But you need to look back at him and say, yep, he really did say it. And guess what? You can't get him and he's gone forever. I failed and he made me like it. There you go. Hallelujah. Number five, he saved us from corruption. So having escaped the corruption that is in the world through love, we have the ability to live above our circumstances. We can live our lives above corruption, dishonesty, offense, and immorality. We can do it. We can do it. You can live your life above all of those things. 
You can walk a ball of immorality and dishonesty. Come on. And I think it's just taking a sin. You can live above Christ. You can live your life of separation. And listen, again, it's the trick of the enemy. You want so much of it is around us. You can get the trust sometimes and think, oh, you could ever want to live. And it's all around. It's even in the church. But that's what, that's not, listen, we don't strive for that. We strive for Jesus. And as long as Jesus is still on the throne, there's something to get to. He's above all of it, and you can live above all of it. Set your mind on things that are above. Why do you think Paul said that? Don't look around and say, boy, this is a mess. Look up and say, look where we're going. Look how we're going to live. You can rise above all of this. I'm not going to let it drag me down. It's time to think what
Very devotional life is a victorious life. We are bringing victory. Come on. We are victorious. We are victorious. Second Peter 1 says, Therefore, believers, be all the more diligent to make sure about his calling and choosing you. Be sure that you have intentionally set and confirmed your relationship with God. For by doing these things, actively developing these virtues, you will never stumble. In the spiritual growth and with a life that leads others away from sin. You'll never fail. You'll never stumble. Those are the words of Peter. I know you say it to Peter. It's not just giving you my opinion. If you live a virtuous life, come on. You won't fail. If we are to take God at His word, and we will too, if we are able to add these qualities of virtues to our lives, you will never fail. You will never stumble. What virtues are we talking about? What are we talking about? Faith, virtue, knowledge, self-control, perseverance, godliness, brotherly kindness, love. If we're able to add these virtues to our life, we will never fail. This is coming from the mouth of Jesus. Come on. And then lastly, a virtuous life, listen, is an excellent life. It's an excellent life to live. You are a virtue life and one of the blood life. No matter what happens, no matter what comes your way. Listen, you don't want to debate me. Listen, I, you know, I don't wish things bad on your life or any bad on my life. It would be one thing, and it would be nice to live a life with no problems at all. Just a virtue life where I never any problems. I mean, that would be kind of nice. But you know, the big thing is when there are problems in your life and you can rise above them, when you become an overcomer and you're able to look back and say, look, uh, what I've been through, and God has brought me from a mighty long way, and I'm here today because of some of the things that I went through, and the devil threw everything at me, the kitchen sink, the basement, the pipes, and everything else, and I still came out victorious. I'm on the other side of this thing. Come on. That's a victorious life. If there's nothing to be victorious over, if you don't have an opponent, if there's not a game, come on, if there's nothing opposing you, go on, you're victorious. God has called us to a victorious life. Proverbs 22, 29 says, Show me someone who does a good job, not show me someone who is better than most and worthy of a company of kings. Someone who does an excellent job. Someone who strives after excellence, not praise. Even some unreachable, lofty goal that we can't achieve. God expects excellence out of us. Why? Because He is excellent. God doesn't do anything that's not excellent. And since we have His DNA, we have the capacity for excellence as well. I believe that excellence is the highest form of power. Ephesians 4.1, He said, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the power that you will come. And so today is our day to make a decision. It's not, it's not God's will for us to live. It's not God's 
word is strong. Maybe it's just me that says this, but the scripture says this. He said, if you ask anything, anything, I won't